welcome to this edition of the Alabama Historical Association's podcast program. I'm your host, Marty Olaf, and I talk with people who conduct interesting research and do interesting things concerning Alabama history. You can find out more about the Alabama Historical Association, a membership organization devoted to Alabama history, by pointing your browser at our website, www.alabamahistory.net. Our guest today is Holly Midgley, who will talk about the town of Mintone, Alabama, the site of the Alabama Historical Association's 2022 Fall Pilgrimage on September 24th. Welcome to the podcast, Holly. Ah, thanks so much. I appreciate it very much, Marty. Holly, tell us about Mintone and what we're likely to run into when we come to Mintone in September. Well, this is a town that's eager to have you. We're a little bit bipolar on the subject of publicity. The local merchants, uh, the real estate people love it when people come to town because the town sells itself. But as is typical in so many resorts, those of us that live here, I can occasionally find the tourists uh, numerous <laughs> and uh, somewhat in the way. But uh, if it weren't for the tourists, there wouldn't be a mentone. And that's been the case from the very beginning. This is not an old town. It's also not a big town. Our official full-time population has fallen to about 320 people. I don't think it ever reached 500. So it's a prototypical small town. There are some things that make it unique. We are here because of Lookout Mountain. And Lookout Mountain, for those that don't know, runs about 97 miles uh, with its southern terminus in Gadsden and Atala. And so northernmost part is in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Mentone is located pretty much right in the middle of all that. Because we're a mountain town, that has colored what we've done, how we started, and where we are today. The founder of Mentone was a man named John Mason. He was an Iowa farmer, very prosperous, who had some health issues. His physician advised him to seek a more favorable climate. In those days, and we're talking the 1870s, spas Natural springs or sulfur waters were hot items. That's where the affluent went to rest and relax and have a good time. That's kind of what started Mentone, too. There is a natural springs here. It's located right in downtown Mentone. It's actually on the side of the mountain. Somehow, Mason heard about this area. There was no Mentone then. I did some research. As an Iowan, Mason may have fought at one of the battles around Chattanooga, either Chickamauga or Chattanooga. I checked the rosters of all of the Iowa units that fought in those two battles, and there are several John Masons. We don't know if it's our John Mason, but it's entirely likely. Somehow, he knew something about Lookout Mountain and this area and what it was like, and that could very well have been because he fought in one of those battles. So in looking around, he decided to come to Lookout Mountain for his health. He was quite a go-getter and began to attract people here using the springs as a magnet. And he was pretty successful. He had a son named Ed who considered himself something of a promoter. And he began placing advertisements in the early 1870s in newspapers all across the eastern seaboard. That made traffic pick up a little bit. It was still difficult to get here in the 1870s. There had been a train track running in the valley below 
that was completed in the 1850s. So people could get that far. Then they had to take a wagon up an extremely difficult road that stayed that way for a long, long time uh, to get up to Mentone. And of course, when they got here, there weren't the rental cabins we have now. There was no hotel. But Ed Mason's advertisement and his promotion pieces caught the eye of a Dr. Caldwell, Frank Caldwell, who was from Pennsylvania. He liked the sound of the area. Mason had touted its cooler temperatures, which are during the summer frequently eight to 10 degrees cooler than anywhere else in Alabama. That was very attractive in an age before electricity, before fans. So that was a big promotion point. And then the springs were a big promotion point. So Caldwell decided to come down and take a look. And when he did, he decided this was the place for him. It's an area of spectacular natural beauty. You'll see the little river when you're here. You probably go to DeSoto Falls, uh, which is actually in the town limits of Mentone. It's a hundred foot falls, just beautiful. And then after the little river goes over DeSoto Falls, it creates Little River Canyon. And I don't think you're scheduled to go there. It's about 10 or 12 miles down the road. And I'm amazed at the people in Alabama who have never heard of Little River Canyon. The river itself is unique. It's the longest river in this hemisphere that runs its course on a mountain. And it creates Little River Canyon, which is the deepest gorge east of the Mississippi. It's seven to 800 feet deep in some places, runs for about 15 miles. It's spectacular, and I wish you could get down there to see it. But all of these things contributed to Dr. Caldwell falling in love with the place and deciding that it had resort potential. So he constructed a hotel that was completed in 1874. It was called the Mentone Springs Hotel. The springs were about 100 yards from the hotel, which was located on the bluff of the mountain. We call it the Brow here. It was quite the place, especially for a village the size of Mentone. He advertised it as a place where you could go bowling, you could golf, you could play tennis. It had a very nice restaurant with waiters dressed in tails and black ties. It was not your run-of-the-mill rural town from the very beginning. And the other point I want to make about the hotel is that it was responsible for putting Mentone on the map. There were tourists and fun seekers who came here from the very beginning, and they joined the people who already lived here, and there weren't very many of them. So anyway, Dr. Caldwell built his place in 1884, and people flocked here for a long time. It was very successful in the early 1910s up until the 20s. It eventually fell into disuse, and in 2014, it burned to the ground. It was like the heart went out of this little town. Half the people in Mentone were there, and half of them were crying. It was 130 years old at that point, and... Things that are 130 years old have problems. It was an accident waiting to happen. There was an electrical problem. And within 45 minutes, there was no hotel. And it was a tremendous loss, not only for Mentone, but for the state and for this region. It had been a magnet for a long, long time. You can't see the hotel because it's gone. But there are some other things around town that still remain. The pilgrimage usually consists of tours of various sites around. Can you tell us about some of those specific sites that we will see? I know you're going to see DeSoto Falls. It's spectacular. And you're seeing it at a good time, unless it's been really dry. There will be water there. The river itself is just gorgeous. The banks are lined with rhododendron and mountain laurel. 
You'll also see the Sally Howard Memorial Chapel. Let me spend just a second, if I may, talking about that chapel, but also the man that built it. There are some legendary figures in Mentone that everybody knows about and who were sometimes successful, sometimes idiosyncratic, sometimes abject failures. Colonel Howard was all of that. He walked to Mentone around 1900 from his home just outside Rome, Georgia. He walked on foot, climbed over the mountain and down the other side to Fort Payne. At some point early on, he decided he wanted to be a lawyer. So he borrowed some law books, studied the law, and became a lawyer. And in those days, an honorific for lawyers, especially in small towns, was Colonel. So he had no military background at all, but he was called Colonel Howard. He was a two-term U.S. congressman. He was a filmmaker. He went to Hollywood and wrote, produced, and starred in a couple of very successful movies in the 1920s. He wrote books. He was a columnist for, I believe it was the Birmingham Post-Herald. And during his time writing, he met and interviewed Mussolini. He was ambitious, but he wanted to do more. He was struck by the lack of education for people on the mountain. And he decided to create a master school, which you won't see, but the walls still stand. This was designed for mountain children. It only lasted a year. He was a perpetual fundraiser, but the fundraising didn't keep pace with the spending. So the master school failed after a year. But one of the last things he did before he died was build the Sally Howard Memorial Chapel. I think it was completed in 1937. You know, we talk about churches being built on a rock. This church is built into a rock. The rock forms not only the outside of the last, I'd say, 25% of the church, but it's also where the altar is. So the back of the church on the inside is a giant rock. It's a charming little building. It's open 24-7, 365. Anybody can go in there anytime, but it's also still an active Baptist church. It's made out of native stone that was built by the residents of this area. Colonel Howard was written about in a book called Vagabond Dreamer by a Fort Payne historian named Elizabeth Howard. He described himself as a vagabond, but the theme of the book is that he was a failure by and large. And I would argue with that. Yes, he was a dreamer and some of his dreams did fail, but by and large, he did a number of things that were successful and innovative and worthy of some praise. So you're going to see the chapel. You will probably see when you come into town, the Mentone Inn, which is our last remaining hotel here in town. Let me do a little sidebar there and say that for most of Mentone's history, right up until the present era, you either had a house up here or knew somebody you could stay with or you passed through or you stayed at the hotel. There were really no rental properties to speak of. So in the last 10 years, we've gone from zero rentals to about 400 cabins. So the Mentone Inn is very charming, built in the mid-1920s. The Martha Berry House is going to be one of our destinations. As some people know, Berry College in Rome, Georgia, has a long history going back to about 1900 of educating rural people, people without a lot of resources. Everybody that goes to school there works at the school, either in the dairy or in the school, the cafeteria. There are a lot of jobs over there. It happens to be the largest campus. I believe in the world. It's 30 something thousand acres, just beautiful. If you want to see a deer, go to Berry Campus in Rome. Martha Berry was an innovator. She came from a wealthy family, 
but to see her dreams come true of creating a school for girls and a school for boys and later a college, she needed financial backing. So she hit the road, made speeches and appearances all over the country, became very well known. Eleanor Roosevelt was a big fan and a friend. And another friend of hers was Henry Ford, the automobile magnate. He pumped a lot of money into Berry College. That's only about 50 miles from here. I live at a place called Moon Lake, which is on the river, but she built a house here. You won't see that because my brother owns it and he ain't letting nobody in there. <laughs> but you will see a house that her parents owned. And then, of course, she spent a lot of time there growing up. It's the Berry House. It's right in town. Another one that we plan to see is the DeSoto State Park CCC Museum. DeSoto State Park was built in the mid-30s. It was a civilian conservation corps, CCC project. It has very much a mountain feel to it. All of the buildings, the original buildings anyway, are made of native stone. They hired a lot of local people up here. It was a real driver of the economy while it was being built. It's just rustic as it can be. But as the CCC progressed and things got a little better economically for the nation, the CCC went the way of the Old South. And they left some projects unfinished. And one of them was the unfinished stone bridge that you'll have to do a little walking to get to it. There's a nicely developed trail, but it was started and I'd say is a third finished before they gave up and just walked away. There was an on-site quarry. That's where they got all the native stone. And when they decided to stop the CCC project there, the workers just laid down their tools and walked away. And you'll see some of those tools at the CCC Museum. It's a little bitty thing, but it's a good way for people to get in touch with what the CCC did and what it meant to people. And of course, that legacy continues today. It's a very modern state park in terms of the things that it offers, even though it is very rustic. The last place that we are going to see is the Mentone Art Center. Can you speak to that? Mentone has been something of an arts colony going back to at least the 1930s. It's even more so today. There are a number of local Mentone residents and area people who are quite accomplished in the art in the visual arts, sculpture, it runs the gamut. There was a dream up here to create a cultural arts center, and it would be multi-purpose. It would be a place where artists could display their work, a place where meetings could be held, concerts, that kind of thing. They went about raising funds, and they had a huge budget, and they just could not make that budget. At least they haven't been able to do that at the time. They got sponsors, including the Cherokee Nation, but they took that money, they still own the land, and they built the Cultural Arts Center. Actually, it was an existing building that they retrofitted. It's first class. And also, it's an art gallery, again, for the gamut of arts. They did a very clever thing. They put the art that's for sale on rolling kiosks so they can roll all the stuff to the side of this large room they've got. And they've got a little stage and an audio setup. And they do performance in there, too. Plays, musical artists. So that's worked very well. And I think you'll enjoy seeing that. It's right smack dab in downtown Mentone. All of this sounds wonderful, and I am truly looking forward to coming to Mentone with the AHA Fall Pilgrimage. Tell me, how did Mentone get its name? Interesting story. John Mason, who I talked about earlier as being kind of the founder of Mentone, was talking with Dr. Caldwell as the hotel was being completed. And the doctor said, look, this is just a spot on the map. In fact, it's not even a spot on the map. Let's put it on the map. We need a name. So 
Mason's daughter, Alice, I think she was a, kind of in her late teens, was reading a newspaper about a trip that Queen Victoria of Great Britain was making to the south of France. She was in a little town, and it was spelled M-E-N-T-O-N, and I think it was Menton, but reputedly meant musical mountain stream. So she thought that sounded pretty appropriate for a town that had a river running right through the middle of it. And that's what they settled on. They added an E to the end, and that's where Mendham comes from. Finally, Holly, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm not a trained historian, but you won't find anybody more interested in history than I am, particularly Alabama history. I wish I'd studied it more in college. I took a lot of history, but, but I'm not a major or a minor. I like to tell people I've been coming here since before I was born. My family bought the Martha Berry house, the one here at Moon Lake, in 1945, along with four other families from Gadsden. My family acquired the Martha Berry house, which was a classic cabin. It was built out of logs that at the time were 120 years old. And that was built in 36 when it was finished. So I grew up coming to Mentone from my days in the womb up till 2008 when I moved here full time. When you're a kid, you realize that at a certain point in your life, you're going to be able to determine for your own self where you will live. I've wanted to live here since I was in diapers. I have a background in association work. I was executive vice president of the Alabama Academy of Family Physicians for 17 years. Before that, I worked for the Medical Association and Public Relations. Before that, I was with what was then Farm Bureau. It's now the Alpha Farmers Federation, again, in public relations. My bachelor's degree is in American Studies, and my master's degree is in broadcast and film. I think you're going to refer people to my YouTube video. It's a documentary on Mentone. It's an epic. It's 88 minutes long. But it covers Mentone history from the Paleo-Indian and Archaic Indian periods all the way up to the present. That's where I use my video skills here. I live here at Moon Lake. I enjoy it more than you can imagine. I especially like the fact that we have four distinct seasons here. This past winter, we had 18 inches of snow. The second most southern ski resort in the country is here in Mentone. We have fantastic springs full of flowers and native plants that are growing. The falls look like falls are supposed to look, a little bit New Englishy. We have lots of color. And the summers, like I said before, quite mild. That's a little about me. I'm not with the Chamber of Commerce, and I hesitate to promote Mentone too much. In fact, I would advise your people to come and enjoy it and then get out of here. Yeah. Give my town back. <laughs> but I'm very much looking forward to having the group here. And we are very much looking forward to visiting during the pilgrimage on September 24th. What have I not covered that you'd like to talk about? I could go into a little bit about how hard it was to earn a living up here. We were subsistent farmers growing and making pretty much everything we needed. There was not much of a cash economy up here. And there was a boom in Fort Payne in the late 1890s. It didn't last but about three years, but it created all kinds of jobs built around the steel industry. So there were coal mines here on the mountain that people were able to find employment with and get away from dependence strictly on subsistence farming. The other big item that was a moneymaker here was moonshine. There's a comment in the article I wrote for your newsletter from a woman who says you could walk along the river and every bend in the river produced a still. 
So that was big for some people, at least. It's Appalachian. It's hard pressed. The median income is not what it should be. People can't find jobs here, so they leave the mountain. That's one reason our population is down to 320, and it's why they closed our elementary school last year, which was another real blow to the town. It's been hard to make a living up here, but if you've already made your living, this is a great place to live. Well, you've sold me, and again, we're looking forward as the Alabama Historical Association to visiting Mentone for our fall pilgrimage on September 24th, 2022, and I hope all of our listeners will be able to join us there. With that, Holly Midgley, thank you for being our guest. You're welcome, and I enjoyed it, and I'll see everybody in September. Thank you for joining us today. This has been another edition of the Alabama Historical Association podcast program. Our music is the traditional tune, Whistle By, performed at City Stages in 1996 by James Bryan and Carl Jones. It's provided courtesy of the Alabama Folklife Association, which you can find on the web at alabamafolklife.org.